Hello, Stephen Dan Fouts here. We're veteran educators who've created the Teach Different podcast to inspire all of us to think deeper, listen with more intention, and understand each other better. On this podcast, we model a conversation method using claims, counterclaims, essential questions, and quotes from some of the world's great thinkers. The method works with adults and students of all ages, at school or at home, and is implemented using good old-fashioned Google Forms. So if you're a teacher, parent, administrator, social-emotional learning specialist, or anybody who wants to think in new ways and help others do the same, you've come to the right place. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Teach Difference podcast this week. Um, we're lucky to have with us William Shakespeare and a very interesting quote about decision making. So we're really excited about that. And we have one guest and Julie, who's a principal in Ro Roscoe, Illinois, and she'll be introducing herself um, in a moment. But just to go over our protocol real quickly for our new listeners. We're going to start with a really cool quote from William Shakespeare, and then we're going to spend some time unpacking the quote and seeing what the claim of the quote is, what it means in our own words, so to speak. And then we'll move to the counterclaim, kind of another way to look at the quote, um, an equally valuable, interesting perspective that kind of competes against the, the claim. And, and this is where kind of our, our tension of the conversation comes in. And this is where it gets really fun, right? Because we get to ag agree to disagree and, and see the world from, from different perspectives. And then we'll end with an, with an essential question to kind of wrap things up. And again, to remind everybody, we are doing this podcast as adults, right? This is sort of like adult social emotional learning with the protocol. But the hope is that as you listen to this, if you're a teacher or principal or instructional designer, whatever, that you will use this with students. And you can, we were gonna to try to give you a picture of what this might look like with students in your classroom. So that, that's the goal. All right, so here we go. William Shakespeare, I'll read it a couple times here. Wide, wisely and slowly, they stumble that run fast. Wisely and slowly, they stumble that run fast decision-making. All right. Well, Julie, what's going on with this quote? What's your, what's your take on this? Okay. Well, hi, I'm Julie Kropp. I'm principal of Roscoe Middle School, and I've been uh, the principal there for 17 years, which is a really long time uh, to be principal anywhere. And as you said, we are in Roscoe, Illinois, which is just north of Rockford, Illinois. And it's a great school district, and I'm super blessed to be there. Um, and we have worked with you guys a little bit, so I do know the process here somewhat. And when I think of this quote, I think of probably another million ways I've heard this said uh, as a child growing up, you know, uh, whether that's uh, the longest way around is the shortest way home, uh, measure twice, cut once, uh, the tortoise and the hare, uh, haste makes waste. You know, there's a million ways that this has been said, but what I think he's trying to tell us is that you need to take your time, process information, and make sure you make your decisions um, after processing everything and not do things rather quickly. Yeah. Kind of like a cautious approach to, to the world, right? If you want to get somewhere, you have to just kind of be careful, think things through. And if you try to hurry, you know, you're going to end up 
I don't know, not getting where to your destination, or maybe it'll end up taking longer, ironically, because you didn't think through the best way to get there. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I am with you. I love all those quotes you brought up, Julie. Th those are great. I mean, they're, they fit perfectly. Yeah, and, and I, I, I like it because it's, you know, it, it, I'm thinking of students here and why it's so hard when we're younger to move slowly. You know, what, what is it about youth that makes us, you know, stumble and, and want to run too fast? I mean, I guess it depends on the person, but do either of you have a theory as to why that is the case, why it's a little bit harder to do that maybe when you're younger? I don't know if it's necessarily harder. I think that we um, have a million experiences that happen over time. And so we learn that, again, the short way uh, ends up often being the long way. Um, but even something as simple as watching the kids walk out to the buses and they have to cut through, even if there's a huge snow pile, they still cut like right over it. They won't stay on the sidewalk. I think it's everything that they do. They just want to get things done quickly and move on to what they really want to spend their time doing. But I think we as adults have been burned enough times that there are those moments where we stop and reflect and say, okay, you're not going to catch me again. I'm going to do it right this time. Right. I'm going to do it right. And, you know, it, it makes me think of maybe the, the goal that we are after. Julie, thinking about adults, how, okay, adults have had a lot of experiences of trying to get something very quickly and then seeing what happens when it takes a longer time, right? And then maybe reassessing what it was where you wanted to go. Like, what, was, it, was it worth it? Um, you know, I think I, I'm wondering how that comes into this as well, the goals that we are, are we try to achieve. Well, I think that, um, you know, I was trying to think of samples of times when you do this. I think sometimes if you are cooking and you take a shortcut cooking and then you end up with a disaster like that was bad engineering. You know, you don't want your engineering feats to be shortcuts because if something goes bad, then that is that is wrong. But even something as simple as, as driving, how many of us have, you know, gone very fast, you end up getting a speeding ticket, you end up getting there longer because the police pull you over. By the time you get all your information, now you're later than you were. And so something as simple as that makes you, even though I'm gonna be two minutes late, I'm not gonna speed because I know where this really leads me. So I do think that the, as, again, as you grow, you have those examples and you just don't wanna get burned again. Yeah. And, and you, you know, it's because you make mistakes and you, you experience what happens when it takes longer than what you were trying to intend to just have, do immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I'm wondering if there's a way to convince, uh, here's a question. Is there a way to convince a, a, a kid that you should be cautious? Am I okay in characterizing it that way? You should be cautious you know, without having them experience all the failures of what happens when, you know, you're, you're trying to do things too quickly. Is there a way to argue for that? I think that's what we as educators and we as parents want to always do. The unfortunate right. thing, I think, so often, you have to learn that the stove is hot by touching it. Like, we can tell yeah. you a million times, but you still have to be burned by it. And <clears throat> But I do think that is our goal. And, you know, we just started a through COVID, we started an SEL time in the morning 
uh, for our students. And these are the kinds of things that we want to help our kids with. You know, we want to have these conversations, whether it's just learning how to dialogue uh, the claim and counterclaim, but also, you know, taking the time and doing things right. The reason your math teacher wants you to write out all of the steps is because then they can see what's wrong with it. And maybe you could go back and fix one thing versus having to do the entire problem all over again. Right. right how right. many kids, you know, you fight with them year after year trying to get them to do it the long way. They just don't want to do it that way. Right. So eventually they have to have something, you know, kick them in the head, I guess. <laughs> and I and I think of, I mean, I'm a social science teacher, obviously in, in high school, but you know, a lot of my students write papers or they produce things and I'm thinking in English as well. There's nothing more frustrating for a student when they put together a hastily prepared piece of work. You look at it, you take a big gulp, <laughs> and you essentially have to say, you're going to start over. You went into this way too quickly. You didn't really think about what you wanted to argue, what you wanted to say. You just wanted to get something on paper to get it done. So to your point, Julie, I think that kids have to actually make this mistake and and we as adults have to say do it over right that has to be the message consistently otherwise they they don't learn it yeah and so if i can caution parents who then feel bad for their kid and decide to rewrite the paper for them because you know there's tears um, a lot of times then you're taking away that lesson and and those are you know, things as an educator and as a mom that I've had to learn, sometimes we think we're helping, but we're really not. We're preventing them from really getting where we want them to be in the long run. Right. So actually, haste makes waste even for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, right? right? I have a quick little personal story I just remembered from like 22 years ago when I, I've been, this is my 29th year going into my 29th year. Early in my career, Ed was his name. I remember he produced this, it's, terrible paper in, in history. And I had a relationship with him. It was probably like in March, I had a good positive relationship with him as a student, right? So he respected me, I respected him. He turned it in and this was not natural for me to do, but I felt like it was the right moment to do it. I looked at Ed, held him out after class. He looked at me, I took his paper and I just ripped it. <laughs> and put it See in, the, in the recycling. And I did, again, this is March. I would never have done this in September because I didn't know him, but I knew him. He smiled. He knew that I had called him on it. And I just, I, I have to say like 10 years later when he graduated, I sat down and had like lunch with him. And he said, that moment when you ripped up my paper made me realize that I could do serious academic work and I wasn't doing it. And you called me out on it. You've never told me. This. I, I have not, Steve. I can't believe I haven't. Um, yeah, Ed, wow. it was just, and he ended up being a teacher. So anyway, okay, enough about me. Go back to the discussion, but that was really fun. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, I mean, look, the theme is be cautious, be wise. I mean, you could break down some of those. Read the quote again, Dan. Wisely and slowly, they stumble that run fast. Yeah, I love the words in this. They're very accessible. Wisely is probably the most complicated word, but these are all clear, right? It's just saying be cautious before you act, before you 
decide on where you're headed. You know, here I go, though. This is my role, the counterclaim. I'm going to blow the, this party up. Like, what do you think? Like I, I, like, I blow the party up by asking you what you think. <laughs> I have a clear counterclaim to this. And I don't know if, if Julie, I'll, I'll ask you if you'd like to share what you had in mind as a really good argument as to why this is not, I mean, you know, it, it's not, it's not that it's wrong, but it's not maybe advice for all situations, all contexts, all people, et cetera, et cetera. So Julie, I'm going to put it on you. Okay. And you know, that's, it's interesting because again, I start off and I talk about how we spend years trying to teach kids this, but I like you can see some strong counterclaims to this. Um, first of all, if we think about the fact that this quote actually comes from Romeo and Juliet, and I think matters of the heart rarely go slowly as much as we want them to, feelings are feelings. Um, but as far as in the world of education, um, you know, when I look at students, we have a sixth, seventh and eighth grade building. So that's 200 days. I have them for 600 days. If we really stop and try to process everything to the link that we probably want to or need to, we'll never get anything done. And my perfect example of why this uh, probably isn't always the way to go. When we decided to go to one, one devices, uh, Chromebooks. Uh, that was new to us. We were trying to figure it out. We did some professional development. We had a lot of sessions sitting around and talking about it. Um, but had, had we taken the time to wait till everyone felt ready and all questions were done, we probably never would have gotten there. And we had to just sort of kicking and screaming, throw ourselves in there. No, it is going to be a lot of mistakes, but we would fix the mistakes on our terms and be able to do that. And we were so lucky that we did it well before COVID and the world shutting down because our teachers were very versed on how to teach through Google Classroom and using devices. So I think sometimes you need to just jump in and just do it and see what happens. And that's the quickest way to learn. You notice how that's different than the quickest way to your goal. You're learning. Maybe that's what you should be doing and making mistakes is okay and going quickly. Hey, when you go quickly, you usually make mistakes really quickly. So maybe that's a good thing. I, I mean, I get you. I, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I, it's hard to, to add to that. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's great. I'm thinking about riding a bike, Steve, you know, this, this is a typical family story. I rode a bike by jumping on, and just falling hundreds of times. I, I was not interested in studying how other people were doing it, how they were balancing themselves. I just wanted to jump on and do it. You, on the other hand, Steve, you would sit back and, and observe more before doing it, before kind of taking the risks and experimenting, right? Which- I don't know, I'm being, I'm actually <laughs> surprised with your stories today because you okay. didn't share any of this. No, like we this is, about. that absolutely was, okay. anyway. But so risk and experimentation is a great way to learn. And the faster you do it, sometimes I'll tell this to the kids, I'll say, multiply your mistakes. If if you're in a rut, don't think carefully, dive in, multiply your mistakes and learn faster. 
which I is essentially that. what this this counterclaim is saying. Mm-hmm. I know I saw um, or listened to a podcast a long time ago on getting stuck or getting unstuck. And it was talking about engineering students at MIT. And when they get stuck on something, they want them to just make a move. And they said, what will happen when you make a move? You're either going to know you're in the right direction or you're going to be in the wrong direction, but you've done something. And so many people will perseverate and think and think and think, and they go nowhere. And so I do think sometimes you just have to jump in, but it does cause me to wonder, is this a personality trait or is this something that we teach people? Like are, are certain kids more prone to jumping in and trying and being more of your risk takers and other kids are going to be more your sit back and, and watch kids? That's another level. That's yeah. a great question. I think it. I think it is a personality trait. Just anecdotal evidence of just students that you have, and think of your own life and why you do what you do. And if it is, Julie, then maybe. Oh, and this is what makes teaching so hard, right? We got to take the risk, the experimenters, and and teach them a little bit of caution sometimes. And we have to take the cautious ones and say, jump in and do something. Mm-hmm. So you you kind of I don't know I, I feel like maybe our role and responsibility then is to kind of show students the other side based on whatever their their nature is and not pretend like we're perfect we just know that there's an other side you know we we don't want to we don't ever want to have a kid in our class go through 180 days and be the most cautious timid thing in the world without our influence but the same thing, the other side, you know, the boisterous one who's always just doing things like we, we want to be able to give them that other side. So it's a tough one. I don't, you know, and I'm not going to pretend that I have it figured out. I really don't. Well, and I think that that's the beauty of, of education and what so many people who aren't in it don't necessarily see. Like sometimes the curriculum itself isn't really the ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is when that kid comes back and says, hey, you ripped up my paper, but that motivated me to be where I am today because I had to redo something. It had nothing to do with the paper itself. I don't even know if he'd remember, Dan, what the paper was on. He remembered that moment that I had to redo this and I'm capable of something better than this. Yeah, it triggered something in his head that, you know, he needed to do something differently. And again, I didn't plan that out, really. It just felt, I don't know, it's just one of those moments, the teaching moments that you just fall into made it authentic you know i'm thinking also of of the first few years of teaching which oh my gosh you want to talk about having to make mistakes i mean you have to stumble fast um you have to stumble consistently every day and make mistakes quickly you don't really have the luxury of sitting in front of a class with no teaching experience and proceeding wisely and cautiously things are moving very quickly you know so that that would be a a personal experience i would share with the students as an adult you know here's what it was like when i started out in the profession and here's what i learned from it well and i think too this whole last year and a half for educators you know that so many of us had to do things differently than we've ever done before and and parents and kids and we all sort of stumbled together multiple times and got better at these things and if anything was ever going to say, hey, look, we can persevere, we can make mistakes, and we are smarter on the other end of it, we have a year and a half to show that, you know, to all these kids. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a really good treatment, I think, of the, of the counterclaim. 
and I feel, I don't know which one, we never really asked this, Steve, in, in these podcasts, but you know, which, which ones do you see more be as, as true? Which of these two, the claim or the counterclaim? Personally, I'm closer to the counterclaim. Personally. Yeah, like I think I, I want to get places. I, I need to make mistakes quickly and learn from experience. If I'm cautious, I feel like I got the FOMO, as they say, the fear of missing out. You know, that that drives me. I've always thought that actually the fear of missing out, it's really a question of are, do you fear missing out or do you fear losing something of value that you already have? Those fears determine whether you're going to be cautious or you're going to take chances. And they're both right and wrong at the same time. So, but I, I'm more counterclaim if you're asking. Yeah. Julie, what about you? You know, it's funny. Um, I, just as uh, Steve was talking, I, I think when it comes to matters of finance, I'm probably more cautious and think things through. I think in almost every other aspect of my life, you know, I tell people all the time, 90% of my job that I deal with is conflict and, and decision-making. Do you add a second? Can you decide this, you know? And so I, I don't have time in my day um, to stop and really always reflect. So sometimes it's easier to make a decision, get people going, and then if it didn't work, they'll come back. But if it worked, hey, good, keep on moving and we'll, you know, go to the next thing. So um, I think I'm kind of a blend. And I guess if I was going to think of the essential question, it's how do you know when to push for caution and when do you push for moving forward, right? Wouldn't that be kind of where we're headed with this? I don't you, know. I mean, great minds think alike here, Julie. Here's the one I came up with, which is, I think, really similar to that. How do we know when the cautious approach is the right one? Right? I mean, that, that's, that's tough. Maybe in finances it is, and in other areas it's, it's not depends on the individual and it probably depends on the stage of life you're in right you have different perspectives on this and yeah maybe, and maybe something else that you can add to this when you're working with kids on something like this is not only that but then like how do you know and the only way you know is reflection and i think that so many people grow by reflecting on something so whether we decided to make haste or whether we decided to move slowly what, when we were all said and done and we stopped and thought about it, had, would we have been better to have done it the other way? And then you kind of learn from that. So I think that reflection piece is also you know, great when you do things like this. It helps people not make lifelong mistakes. Mm -hmm. The reflection, yeah, I agree. I think if you have that, you can do, you can be whatever. Mm -hmm. Right, because you can think back on if it was a cautious approach you took, was that the right one? Or if it was a, if you went quickly, was that the right one? So the, the reflection is where the, the key of the, the learning comes. Yeah. All right. Well, really, really great, Julie. This was, this was a, an excellent conversation. Yeah, a great perspective. And I think we, this is one that I really believe students could definitely connect with and share those personal experiences of you know, when they've had to move slowly or when they've had to move fast and what have been the consequences when they've done that. I think they would, well, hopefully they would share some, some good experiences with the rest of the, the class to, to explore that. Yeah, and um, you know, I just wanted to thank you guys for letting me uh, be on here today. It was, it was great for me. And um, 
you know, we had the chance to have you guys come out to work with our staff uh, back in January, I think 2019. Um, and as I said, we started that SEL program just last year. And, but we were making things up last year as we were going. And then some of our teachers brought back uh, you guys to the forefront and said, hey, you know, what about these guys? And I thought, oh my gosh, yes, you guys, I think are exactly where we wanna head with our SEL program. And I am um, just excited to work with you guys again, but I'm also excited to ask others to bring you guys in and have you help out. Um, to me, this is a big issue, not only with um, adolescents, but in our country in general, that people just can't have discord in conversations. And if we can start with these young kids and have them do that, I think we're all gonna be better. So I appreciate what you guys are doing for us. Thank you. Julie, thank, thank you, you very so much. much. We appreciate you and, and your school working with your faculty. And, and this it takes a village, right, to take on some of these issues. So thank you so much, Julie. Um, you know, best of luck this year, which will be a very interesting adjustment year for, for all of us. We'll do our best. All right, take care. Thanks, everybody. We hope you're walking away feeling energized by some great ideas and are confident that conversations like this are possible with just a little bit of planning and a three-step method. Make sure you go to teachdifferent.com to learn more and check out our library of conversation starters, each with a different quote and a sample claim, counterclaim, and a central question to get you started. Good luck, and don't forget to teach different with conversations and make a difference every day.